What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Gold Diggers, a special Gold Diggers After Dark edition. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero with me, as always, from the Ball Blast Football Podcast, Michelle Majuk. What's up, Michelle? Hey, hey. I do enjoy doing the night episodes because then yeah. I can have a glass of wine. There you go. You know, it's funny. You have a glass of wine. I'm drinking a huge Yeti filled with tea. Uh, yeah, you. I mean, I'm not surprised. I would act like in that the way you're sipping it too. It's hot. Okay. <laughs> Wait, how, what is wrong you with just, my sipping? Can I live like a straight up grandma the way that you just grab that? Like, a, it's not seven a.m. in the morning. I, I don't know. I don't. But whatever. You do you, bro. You. I do can't you. even. Can't even sip my tea. I thought you were going to enjoy a nice beverage with me, but it's fine. Tea is a nice beverage. It's fine. I'll enjoy my wine. And I'll be goofy all by yeah. myself. Great. Love to take criticism from the person who's sitting here drinking box wine that costs like $3. <laughs> hey, hey, that was not supposed. I'm drinking a $100 bottle of wine. <laughs> not all the $3 wine. Shush. No, of course not. Uh <laughs> It's all coming unglued early today. All right. Uh, please keep your ratings and your reviews coming. We always love to have them. I don't have a new review this week, Michelle. I'm not happy about that, people. Come on. We got to get the star rating up on Apple Pods. Please keep your ratings and your reviews coming. We love to read them on the show. I give you a quick review for my wife, who continues to tell me how much she enjoys the show, only because you continue to make fun of me. Well, does she make fun of you for your tea drinking, or does she... Does she enjoy you being looking like a 90-year-old while you drink your tea? No, you may find this hard to believe. My wife loves me and cares about me and would you never make fun of me. You just had two hands around your Yeti, right? So? Was the, was the it's one cold too down hard here. to bring it to your, to your mouth? It's chilly yeah. down here in this basement where I do the recording. Sometimes, you know, I'm a person that gets cold incredibly like i'm always cold always 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 so i like to have the tea the two hands it's it's very warming leave me alone we're very opposite people that's true it's always way too hot in our house so on today's show we are going to continue our fantasy preview which we've been doing we did quarterbacks running backs and wide receivers we are on to tight end now michelle's throwing a big hissy fit because she doesn't want to do 10 tight ends because apparently there's not 10 relevant tight ends so we're going to do a few for you, and then we're going to give you some sleepers. Is that the uh, plan, Michelle? Yeah, we're going to do a little discussion between Kyle Pitts versus George Kittle, because I feel like that's the big choice right now at the top of drafts. Obviously, after you know, Mark Andrews and your Travis Kelsey, who do I go with next? Is it Kyle Pitts? Is it George Kittle? Is it Darren Waller? Or do you just, you know, wait on a tight end and that's a premium pick? So there's some fun stuff to talk about, but I didn't want to go through 10 tight ends because tight end six to tight end 10 do not matter at all, right? They just don't. They're kind of just blah and they're meek. They're not going to win you anything. And then I have one top tier sleeper tight end to give you uh, that I think everyone should be drafting at the end of your drafts. Okay, so we're going to get to that. But first, we wanted to get to some kind of non fantasy tight end 49ers talk for you on yesterday's show. I presented five 49ers facts to blow your mind. I thought they were pretty interesting. They came from the Warren sharp football preview, which is again, I continue to tell you it is like required reading. If you want to be a smarter fan, it is awesome. So full of information, uh, but you decided to go in the lab, Michelle and pull out some defensive statistics for us, which I love because 
The offensive stats are pretty easy. Like you don't really have to dig too hard to find him, but the defense deserves some love too. So I'm interested to hear what you came up with this week. Yeah. So I'm trying to see what the 49ers need to improve on going into this year, because overall, right. When you just look at the, the numbers, the passing yards per game allowed, it it's pretty good for the 49ers. They had a pretty good defense and the 49ers defense really came along at the end of the year and in the playoffs, hundred percent, but there's always areas for improvement and, and things they struggled in last year. So one of the things I found was that in the fourth quarter, they were not getting defensive turnovers like the other teams in the NFL. They only forced four turnovers in the fourth quarter all of last year. Only six teams had fewer. It was the Seahawks, the Panthers, the Ravens, Browns, Falcons, and Jaguars. Um, and then like I, the Patriots at, were at the top with 12. So the 49ers at four, Patriots at the top with 12. Uh, they need to force more fourth quarter turnovers. And I was wondering, maybe are they not getting to the quarterback or like not putting pressure on the quarterback? That was not it whatsoever. They had the second most sacks in the fourth quarter last year, and they had the highest quarterback pressure percent in the NFL in the fourth quarter. So that's not the problem. Clearly, it's you need more playmakers in that secondary. And did you do it this offseason? What are your thoughts, Stats? Well, Ward looks good. He looks like he's going to be a really good player. I don't know if he's like a playmaker type of thing. Like, you know, you can say what you want about Diggs on the Cowboys and he gets beat a lot, but the dude makes interceptions a lot too. He makes game changing plays. The 49ers, they tend to enjoy or, or recruit or whatever players who do their job and do it incredibly well, but don't ever make the big splash plays. We saw it with Jimmy Ward. We saw it with Jaquaski Tart when he was here. They just, for whatever reason, they don't, they would rather have a guy that doesn't get re- beat a lot, even if he doesn't intercept the ball a lot. But when everyone in your secondary is like that, I think it really makes it harder. I think you need somebody that can make a big play once in a while, which is why I'm kind of excited to see Talanoa Hufanga. But I do worry that on those plays, he's not making the big turnover. He will get beat a lot because I don't think he's a he's fast enough to be a good coverage safety. Yeah. And this is why I was really hoping they would draft a guy like Jalen Petrie um, that ended up going to the Texans in the second round, a a fun safety that causes a lot of turnovers. Or they would sign a guy like Tyron Matthew, who is getting older, but still knows how to create those game changing plays. I really like Traverius Ward a lot, but he only has four total interceptions throughout 43 career starts. So maybe in a new defensive scheme, he's able to create more plays back there, but I don't know. And what you're saying is, I know you said they like the safe guys that just do their job. However, the 49ers defense last year allowed the most pass touchdowns and tight coverage. So uh, less than one yard of separation. They allowed nine pass touchdowns and only had two interceptions. So allowed the most pass touchdowns and tight coverage. But the thing is they only forced 70 passes into tight coverage. That was the third fewest in the NFL. They were only ahead of the Texans and the Panthers. So it's like they weren't forcing tight coverage a lot to be like, oh, well, that's why the touchdown numbers are so high. It's like, no, they had some of the fewest passes in the tight coverage, yet they allowed nine touchdowns, the most in the league. So that's also worrisome. It's like, well, I thought maybe they're doing their job, not creating plays but it seems like they're kind of not doing either. 
they don't they can't make plays on the ball. Like they cannot do it. There are a lot of times when they're in pretty good position, but pretty good position doesn't matter if you can't actually make a play on the ball once it arrives, either intercepting it or batting it away. Look, we all know the entire defensive game plan for the Niners last year was rely on the the front four to get pressure and get it pretty quickly because the secondary is not going to hold up. I mean, Josh Norman started a significant number of games for the 49ers. Josh freaking Norman. Here's how bad Josh Norman was in the playoff so game. Bad. You don't even need to explain, but I want, I want <laughs> to hear this, but like already I'm like, yep, I agree. In the playoff game against the Packers, I can't remember who it was, but one of the Niners corners got hurt and Josh Norman had to come in and he was guarding Devonte Adams, which brilliant plan there. But Aaron Rodgers saw that and was so determined to pick on Josh Norman that he chucks the ball deep to Devonte Adams, who's double covered. And Alan Lazard is wide open in the middle of the field. Like no one is 10 yards around him, but Rogers didn't even look there because he was like, wait a minute, Josh Norman is in the game and holy shit, he's on Devonte. I'm going there. Like that's how bad Josh Norman was. He was an immediate liability every time he was on the field. Oh, I mean, yeah, he was terrible. You needed an upgrade and you got one, which is good. And as you said, you rely so much on the pass rush, which is totally, completely uh, true. I was going to say last year, the 49ers had 34 sacks on plays sending four or fewer pass rushers um, in the last season. That was the second most in the NFL in that type of situation, which that's really good news because that means you have really good pass rushers. Like they're all really great. And four is really the number you need to send to have a, any real chance of getting a sack. Once you have only three guys going, you really don't have much chance of actually getting a sack on that play. However, when the 49ers had five or more pass rushers on any given play, they allowed 121 passer rating over the year, by far the worst in the NFL. The second worst was the Jaguars at 110, and they were at 121.5. And then the worst after that, like I said, Jaguars, Giants, and Jets. They allowed 11 pass touchdowns. They had zero interceptions when sending five plus guys. It was, it, it was rough. Like you, you have to win with the four guys basically, because you can't trust the coverage. And luckily you have great pass rushers, but what happens if Nick Bosa were to go down? Shh, what happens? Stop then? that. I, I mean, yeah, I'm going to knock on all the wood in the world because <laughs> he's so important to this defense. He's an absolute elite pass rusher, but Having all of your eggs in one basket's a little scary. Yeah, Bosa's, I mean, his health was critical last season. He was one of only five 49ers to start all 20 games in this season. Do you want to take a crack at who the other four might have been? Oh, God. To start every game? Well, Brandon Ayuk, I don't think, got hurt, but he was in the doghouse. So I'm nope. sure Sherfield started over him. Uh, Lincoln Tomlinson. No, he missed one game, which is a great guess by you because he like never misses time. I think he missed one game at the end of the year. It was DJ Jones, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, your favorite and mine, Daniel Brunskill. I was going to name him next. And Alex Mack. Those were the five. Alex Mack is, of course, retired. DJ Jones is now in Denver. Uh, so Brunskill, Bosa, and Armstead are the only remaining from that group. Those defensive numbers are fascinating because... I'm sure the 49ers were aware of them last year and they knew like if we send five, that just means that 
number one, whoever their fifth rusher was, wasn't super great because he wasn't getting to the quarterback fast enough. And number two, the coverage was just so bad behind it that other teams were like, great. They're sending five. <laughs> awesome. Finally. Thank God. Because that the, the biggest pain for an offense is when the defense rushes four and they drop seven in coverage. That's, that's exactly what the offense doesn't want to see, especially when the, the four can get pressure on their own. So yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know why the Niners didn't address it earlier in the draft with a corner or a safety, because clearly it's an issue and they have to know that. Well, right now, I mean, the, the second safety position just seems, uh, it's a massive question mark at best. It, it really is. And it could be a massive liability. Now it feels like the 49ers always put it together and the defense never allows too many points. They're never got, going to allow too many passing yards. So they do end up putting it together, whether that's through, I mean, how many penalties did they have last year? But it seemed to work out all right where teams didn't end up scoring. But I think their defense is going to be fine. It's just these areas are some concern and something that you would like to see get better next year. It really comes down to creating turnovers. It matters so much and it will help out Trey Lance in his first year if he's able to get some good field position. Uh, and that could really change like how how well he does in this first season. I think the defense is going to be better this year. Cause I think the secondary is going to be better, but you're right. Like help out your guy, man. Like just generate. Sometimes you need your D to just bail you out a couple of times. And you're, you know, it's a confidence thing too. Like how great would it be for Trey Lance? If he didn't have to go 80 yards down the field to get a touchdown, maybe he only has to go 50 yards or 40 yards or something like that. That'd be great to see. Um, I do think that, as good as the pass rush was last year, I didn't see anything from last year that was not repeatable. Like I, I see every reason why the 49ers pass rush could be just as good this year. Maybe better if Drake it Jackson be is better actually with, good. Yeah. If Drake Jackson shows up, does a thing, it should be better. Um, and if uh, Javon Kinlaw can perform like the way he believes he can perform, it, it should be better. Yeah. I'm skeptical about Javon Kinlaw. I really am. Like I, Okay, he had knee injury, knee issues coming out of school, and now he played his rookie year, and now he basically missed all of last year because he had knee surgery again. And like, oh, now he's going to be good. Like, I don't buy that. To me, it's much more likely he's just a guy there for the 49ers, which hurts because they traded Buckner, and, you know, he was supposed to replace Buckner, but I'm not expecting anything from Javon Kinlaw this year. Anything they get to me is like icing on the cake. He's, a, he's boxing. He's doing his thing. Looking winded while boxing. I saw that. I was actually boxing is really hard, so anybody would be winded. But wait, hopefully it was the well, like you know, he was like hitting his trainer. No, have you boxed? Oh, I mean, I've done like hit the bags, and it 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 takes a lot out of you. You're winded. You know what I'm saying? I would think an athlete would be maybe a little bit less winded. It, It was probably the end of his workout. I'll give him that benefit of a doubt of the doubt. You better be careful. Javon Kinlaw has rabbit ears. He does not like when people say things about him, Michelle. Listen, that story just put such a gross taste in my mouth on both sides. I mean, they're both, they both acted ridiculous. Um, They both acted ridiculous. That's the thing. So Kinlaw needs to grow up. And so does, I can't, I already forgot. Grant Cohn. Yeah. Cohn, whatever. Uh, You better watch out. Maybe I'll get Javon Kinlaw on the show next week. We'll have three people and uh, he'll come after you. Yeah, that's fine. He probably will. I won't be able to get a word in. He'll just keep repeating the same thing and saying nothing. That's While fine. eating dinner. 
Yeah. Well, shoving his <laughs> mouth with whatever he had. Oh my gosh. Boys, boys, boys. Before we take our break, uh, you messaged me something about three and outs. I know we spent most of the show talking about the defense, but let's switch it over to the offense really quickly because it was a, an interesting number about three and outs. And it, it it's one of the ways in which Trey Lance doesn't have to be amazing to be better than what we saw on offense last year. Yes, that and I did send you the wrong numbers, but I have a different three and out. <laughs> Sorry about that. I have a different three and out number that I wanted to discuss really quick because it makes me wonder why. What what is Kyle Shanahan's plan here? Don't you feel like a lot of last season was the first half was like, when are they gonna get going? Like what's yes. going on? So in the first half of games throughout last year, they had a 21 point out or 21.8 percent three and out percent in the first half of games that ranked 18th in the NFL. But then in the second half that dropped all the way down to 13.8%, which was near the, near the top of the league, which was really good ranked top six in the NFL. So they got so much better in the second half at not like actually sustaining drives. Um, like what, what was taking them so long to get going in these games? I don't know. There were many games last year where especially early in the year where the 49ers would go into the half with seven points, zero points, 10 points. And you're like, what the hell is going on? I don't, I don't know. Uh, I think some of it is number one, Kyle Shanahan was really like cautious, especially like the end of the second quarter. There were times where like he would just pack it in and run out the clock and not even try to get points. And like a lot of times you can steal at least a field goal at the end of the half there but he was he was very cautious to do that for some strange reason. And then in the second half, I think he basically just figures it out. I think he's like, all right, we know how they're going to play us now. I know exactly what to do. Here's how we attack it. And then we go to work. But you can't Is he not it. able to like do that on film before the game somewhat. Obviously, you're going to learn a lot in game of how they're going to play you and how they play like your elite players. And you have to make those uh, adjustments in the second or going into the second half which is great. That's a really good coach, but it's like, should there be that big of a gap? Probably not. Like you should have a better plan coming in. You shouldn't have so many three and outs in the first half, maybe. And we were talking about this, like Trey Lance should help this percentage so much of three and outs because with the rushing aspect of it, defense don't, aren't going to know is Trey Lance going to run here? Is he going to pass here? Are they going to hand it off to a running back? Are they going to hand it off to Debo Samuel? Like there's so many options. So their three and out should be pretty low because you should not be running out of plays that early in drives or like, and they just have way too many talented players to have a high percentage. So I think this is going to get better. Uh, but it, it did make me question here for a second. What's this play calling in the first half and why is it starting off so slow? The prime example is the Seattle game last year. Early in the season, the Niners defense holds the Seahawks to five straight three and outs in the first half of the game. Five straight, not just five straight possessions where they don't score, five straight three and outs. But the 49ers offense can't really get it going, and they only score seven points in the first half. They go into halftime tied. Like, that should never, ever happen. But the 49ers just could not get moving early. And every time they go three and out, they send the poor defense back out on the field with no time to rest. Like if Trey can just sustain drives, you're going to keep that defense fresh. That's going to make a huge difference, especially when, like we were just talking about, 
you're so dependent on four guys to get pressure and get pressure quickly. Well, they're not going to be able to do that if they're exhausted because they're on the field all the time. Yeah, they're going to have to get better in that area, especially in the first half, because you don't want Trey Lance playing this comeback game in the second half. You don't want to put him in those situations where he can make mistakes or he he tries to force a ball in and then that can get in his head and mess with his confidence if he ends up losing a game due to a turnover. Like, let's let's just get going right in the first. And they they need to be smart about it. You need to be using Trey Lance in the best way that he can. Don't just try to make him a pocket passer in those situations like the teams that are so hard to stop like Lamar Jackson is impossible to stop. I understand he hasn't really done anything in the playoffs yet, but in regular season games, when you need to get a stop on him and third and down, like, you know, he's going to run up the middle and yet you can't stop the dude. <laughs> you could be screaming at the TV and I'm sure the defensive coordinator has to know if we know at home what he's going to do yet. You still have to cover guys, right? You still have to plan for maybe he passes this one time even though he's never going to. And <laughs> it's just, it becomes so hard to defend a, a third and four in the middle of the field. It just really is. So I expect their, especially their three and out percent to get much better. And they should be able to sustain drives at a much better rate with a quarterback that you could just do so much more with. God, I hope so. I really hope we see a shift in Kyle. Let Trey have the ball in his hands and make plays. Third down and fourth down two, man. Fourth and two. I I have said if it's like fourth and one, I would go for it no matter where you were on the field. Anywhere on the field. Fourth and one, I'm going for it. But obviously, no NFL coach is going to do that because no. they're so risk averse. But if you're fourth and two at the 40 yard line or fourth and three, go for it. Like once you get to the 40, it should be four down territory. That's how I feel about it. I don't know that Kyle's going to be that aggressive, but I'm hoping he's at least going to be a little bit more aggressive going forward with Trey Lance. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll continue the fantasy preview. We'll talk top tight ends. We'll talk Kittle versus Kyle Pitts. And you've got a sleeper for me who I'm anxious to hear about. So we'll do all that when we return. Back here on the Gold Diggers podcast, Michelle just uh, provided some incredible defensive stats in the first half of the show, which I honestly, I'm going to like literally re-listen to the episode because I'm pretty sure you just, drop some knowledge on all of us and it hasn't even fully sunk in yet so thanks for that but now i got a little bone to pick with you because we want i wanted to do top 10 in every position and you don't want to do top 10 tight ends you're just you're refusing to do it because i'm telling you right now like tight end six the tight end 10 they're all the same damn tight end they're all gonna get you around 10 points per game and they're gonna have a lot of bad games they'll have a couple good games and it just blah and you have to draft them in the middle rounds. And I don't want people hearing these names as my top 10 tight ends and be like, ooh, I should draft him. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't <laughs> draft him. Uh, that's not what it means. So that's why I don't even want to get into that. I don't want to talk about, um, you know, Mike Kosicki and TJ Hawkinson and Zach Ertz. It's like, yeah, if they go late enough in your drafts, then fine. But they're not going to help you win anything. So, all right, let's start with a general question then. In a position like this where you're saying there's a couple good people at the top and then general kind of dreck, what is the strategy for people then? Should they, like, what should they do with tight ends? Especially, like, assuming they don't get one of those top people. I'm completely fine taking Travis Kelsey at the end of the first, early second round. You, he is getting older. That's the only worry is that he, I think he's going to be 33 this season, in the middle of the season. Do the wheels come off? We don't know. 
right? But without Tyreek Hill there, and they did add other wide receivers, but without Tyreek Hill there, he should be the focal point of the offense, which he already has been mostly, but he should get all of the looks in the end zone. Like he should have a monster season. So I'm fine taking him. Mark Andrews, some are worried off with Lamar Jackson. I don't really know why they got rid of Hollywood Brown. They really only have Rashad Bateman there. So I'm fine taking Mark Andrews super early as well. That, and then you have a tight end in your position and your spot that you just lock in every week. You don't ever have to worry about streaming the position ever changing it out except for your one bye week. And hopefully there's no injuries. That's it. And then you have a massive advantage because when Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews puts up 20, 25 points in your tight end position regularly, because they, they do, or at least 15 points, that is a big advantage when a lot of people are just scraping to get 10 points. They just like, please just give me 10 points. Um, so it is a big advantage there. Now I'm not saying you have to go that route because I'm also fine. If I miss out on Kelsey or Andrews, I'm fine with just waiting and just, you know, hoping to hit something later on. But I think the big question right now is, do we take a Kyle Pitts super early on? Do we take George Kittle, who is now in a brand new offense? Well, not brand new offense, but with a brand new quarterback, and we don't know what that offense is going to look like yet. Um, do we take Darren Waller? Those are the three guys, right? Is it worth their draft pick? Because they're going in the third round. I mean, that's still a very early pick. Is it worth taking one of these guys? And I think that's a really hard question to answer. What are your thoughts on Kyle Pitts and his his rookie season? It was fantastic. Do you think he will have similar success with Marcus Mariota in that offense? So, yeah, that's the disappointing thing. I thought Kyle Pitts came into the league with incredibly unfair expectations, to be honest. I thought people were expecting way too much of him. If you go back and look at the history of rookie tight ends in the league, it's not like guys routinely come in and light it up. I thought he was excellent for Atlanta last year, especially because like who else on that offense scared you at all. Now I do think a big part of that was Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is better than people think he's not the best quarterback in the league, but he's not a crappy quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. Kyle Pitts, unbelievable last year. Now he's got to score a little more, but I don't have that much faith in Marcus Mariota. If he was with Matt Ryan again, I'd feel pretty damn good about it, but he's not. And Mariota, he's not that guy, pal. No, he's not. And Kyle Pitts did have an amazing season for a rookie tight end. Yeah, he was still just the tight end 12 in fantasy points per game. And PPR leagues as well. So this is even half PPR where his touchdowns are drastically killing him. I mean, obviously, if you only score one touchdown, that's going to hurt. But only 10.9 points per game, tight end 12. And he put up over 1,000 receiving yards he was the only piece of that offense for most of the season Russell Gage came along Cordero Patterson had moments as well obviously but it was the Kyle Pitts show because Matt Ryan's like who the hell else am I supposed to target now they bring in Drake London very early pick this could help Kyle Pitts I guess get open more often true uh but also the defense literally has to worry about a rookie Drake London and then Cal Pitts. And there's really nobody else. I guess I keep forgetting Cordell Patterson. Maybe he's better than I'm giving nah, him credit for. But he's not. It's it's just like, <laughs> well, really, what is Cal Pitts ceiling with Marcus Mariota? Delaney Walker in 2016 with Marcus Mariota 
with the Titans. He had a really nice season, 800 receiving yards, seven receiving touchdowns. He was the tight end six that year. You put up decent numbers, 12.5 fantasy points per game in PPR. That's decent. Not good enough to take a tight end in the third round, though. I, I wouldn't take that. So here's my question, Michelle. Would you rather have Kyle Pitts with Marcus Mariota or George Kittle with Trey Lance? Yeah, so last year, it felt like George Kittle had a down year. I don't know why. It was just he disappeared in a lot of games, right? It's not his fault. It's just Kyle Shanahan decided not to use him sometimes. Still had 910 yards, six touchdowns, and he missed three games, which is you know, something you have to worry about with George Kittle is missing games and being injured. But he was the tight end four last year in fantasy points per game with 14.1 points that was only behind Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski, which by the way, Rob Gronkowski is just, I'm going to miss him because really <laughs> he was the perfect cost and the perfect fantasy tight end. But last year, when we're, when we're going to take guys this early, I need a guy that has a really high ceiling in any given week, because if you take a guy later, you're going to get like, even if you take a safe guy, they're going to have those weeks that they just score five points. They just score eight points. Like you're going to get those and you get them from George Kittle. You get them from pretty much everyone besides Travis Kelsey. That's fine. But I need those huge weeks to win me weeks. And last year, George Kittle had three games of 20 plus points. That was tied for second most. Also Dalton Schultz had three games of 20 plus points. I'll get to that in a second. But then when you're looking at over the last three years, it goes for the most 20 plus point fantasy games. It goes Travis Kelsey at 18, Mark Andrews at 11, which that's a massive gap between one and two, Darren Waller at three with nine games, and then George Kittle at four with eight games. And then there's a big gap between the next group. So I do think George Kittle has that difference making ability that I'm willing to draft him if you want to, you know, get a guy in your tight end position and hopefully be able to leave him there all year if he can stay healthy. What are your thoughts with Trey Lance here now? Do you expect them to be more run heavy? Does this mean George Kittle is blocking more and not running as many routes? Uh, what do you think this happens to Kittle with Trey Lance? I think Trey Lance is good news for George Kittle. The problem with Kittle is that it's almost like Kyle Shanahan doesn't realize that blocking is the second best thing he does. Like George Kittle is a freakishly good receiving tight end. But like you said, he just disappears sometimes. Kyle just doesn't go to him. Kittle had 910 yards last year. A third of those yards came in two games, pretty much. He had over 300 yards in two games. And the other games, he just wasn't as impactful of a player. But I think that Trey is going to help him because he's going to help him score more touchdowns. Like you said, it felt like Kittle had a disappointing year last year. He had a career high in touchdowns with six which is just funny. Like he needs to get in the end zone more as I have told him. But the good news is that Kyle seemed to realize it a little last year, George Kittle led the 49ers last year with 11 red zone targets, but he only had one inside the five yard line. I think that is where you're going to see a change. I think you're going to see some read option stuff around the goal line. Like think of a read option with Lance where he pulls it back, he keeps it, and then Kittle, who was pretending to run block, now breaks out and, you know, breaks to the corner. I think they're going to do a lot of stuff like that with Trey, where they're going to get Trey out on the edge, and then if Kittle's open, he can throw it to him, or he can run it himself. I think that the biggest area of improvement for the Niners offense, and specifically Kittle, is going to be in the red zone. He should be overjoyed 
because of all the different threats that Trey Lance presents, it's going to have more opportunities for him. Yeah, he should be wide open. It was like last year with the Bills, Dawson Knox was just like, hey, guys, pass me the ball. <laughs> I, I'm open because like everyone's scared Josh Allen's going to run or we have these other playmakers on the offense. No one's worried about me. Now, George Kittle, people are worried about because he is one of the best tight ends in the league. It's a different situation than Dawson, uh, Dawson Knox. Yeah. yeah. Um, but still, he should have way more space to work. Now, it stinks because we didn't get to see George Kittle with Trey Lance in both games, only one game. And he did only get two targets, one reception for 29 yards. So it was a, a long reception. Was that the crazy reception like he caught? In so the it Texans wasn't even a good, yeah, it wasn't a good target either. <sighs> I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. See, this is my issue is when I'm drafting a tight end this early and I'm, I'm giving up, I'm giving up a fantastic wide receiver or a very solid running back at that spot. I, I need to feel confident in the tight end. And I don't know if I do in George Kittle getting the work that I want him to get or being as consistent as I want him to be, but he's going to have plenty of weeks where he wins you weeks. It's just the kind of guy he is. He's going to blow up. And I hope that they get creative and they use him more in the end zone, but it is hard to say now at this point of his career, it's like you never put up more than six touchdowns. I want to see it. Come on, get more. And I've said, and I totally believe this. I think we have one, maybe two more years of peak George Kittle left. He's 28 right now. I'm not saying, you know, he's going to be washed up after two years. I'm talking about peak, like catch a 10-yard pass, break three tackles, and run for a touchdown, George Kittle. He's not going to be able to play that way forever. And so you have to, have to, have to maximize that while he's here. I don't feel like the 49ers have done that yet, and hopefully they can do it this year. Yeah. One guy that I wanted to bring up, this isn't my sleeper, obviously, but I just um, mentioned that Dalton Schultz, he actually did have high upside last year. He was, he had big time games. He was a tight end five in fantasy points per game. So right after Kittle, he scored two more fantasy points per game than Kyle Pitts last season. Now, yes, Kyle Pitts was a rookie, so maybe he improves. He scores more touchdowns, but the thing is they're in completely different situations. Kyle Pitts ended up gaining a wide receiver well he is a rookie and maybe that also takes time lost his quarterback and might be in the worst offense in the nfl like everyone wants to be like well someone has to produce in every offense no they don't sometimes <laughs> you have offenses that are just so incredibly bad that everyone sucks in it like that 49ers fans know yeah, that happens every year. No, you didn't want any piece of the Giants last year. It happens every year that there's one or two teams that there's really just no fantasy relevant guys on that team that could be the Falcons this year. Now, obviously, Kyle Pitts would be very fantasy relevant, but I don't know if he's going to be worth his cost. And how many how many touchdowns do they score this year? They could be the worst scoring offense in the NFL. Really? Do you agree? Oh, 100% they could be. They have nobody. So then get then getting back to Dalton Schultz, it's like the opposite. Now the Cowboys, they lost Amari Cooper. They lost Cedric Wilson. Michael Gallup, Michael Gallup didn't have uh, ACL surgery till February. He might not be back till November. They only brought in Jalen Tolbert and James Washington. Dalton Schultz should get the same amount of targets as he got last year, but probably even more. His touchdowns, yes, he scored a lot last year. He scored eight, I believe, off the top of my head. But I still, that could increase as well. He's in a very heavy passing 
offense that scores a lot of points. I would much rather take Dalton Schultz, who's going a good two rounds to three rounds after like uh, he's going 32 picks after Kyle Pitts. Much rather wait on Dalton Schultz and take Kyle Pitts. George Kittle, it becomes a little bit more difficult because I think Kittle's ceiling is much higher. But if I still get, you know, two, if I get Dalton Schultz two rounds later, I still get that elite wide receiver in the third round and I can take Dalton Schultz instead of George Kittle. And then you're just, little, you know, injuries. You, you just feel a little bit safer about that. It's all about opportunity costs, especially like you said, when you're picking a, a position like tight end, Dalton Schultz did have eight touchdowns last year. By the way, shout out George Kittle. Congratulations. Number one tight end in the league, according to the survey that Jeremy Fowler did of ESPN. He surveyed like 50 people around the NFL. Kittle came out to be the top tight end. That's not true, by the way. I still think Travis Kelsey is better, not better at every single aspect of playing tight end. But overall, I think Travis Kelsey is more impactful than George Kittle. I know it's blasphemy to say. If you put George Kittle with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, George Kittle would have absurd numbers just like Travis. Kelsey. Yeah, maybe. But guess what? He's not there, but he's getting paid like it. And my whole thing, when you get the contract, you have to produce at a crazy high level commensurate with that contract. I have said that George Kittle does not do that in my eyes, so I'd like to see more. Hopefully we'll get more out of him. I agree he's been limited by the quarterbacks, but you got to produce like they his contract doesn't change based on who the quarterback is. And maybe you could blame the team for that. And that's fine. But as a fan. I want to see a little bit more before I put him as the top tight end in the league. All right. Who's the sleeper? All right. My sleeper is Evan Ingram with the Jaguars. I'm just finally now getting on board, but it's all because of Doug Peterson, the coach. He is the tight end whisperer, if we want to call it that. (laughs) But in each of his five seasons as a play caller, this is a tweet from Mike Clay um, on Twitter. He's a fantasy analyst. He's fantastic. Go follow Mike Clay if you don't. I'm sure you already do. But in each of his five seasons as a play caller with the Eagles, Doug Peterson's tight end units finished no lower than third in routes, targets, receptions, yards, and fantasy points in the NFL in each of those seasons. Uh, It was with Zach Ertz, who's a very good tight end. But in his four seasons, Zach Ertz has four seasons with Doug Peterson. He finishes the tight end six, the tight end three, tight end two, and tight end four. He never saw fewer than 106 targets in any of those seasons. And I do think Evan Ingram is a very athletic player. He's not a very good blocker. (laughs) So he's going to be running out there, running a ton of routes. And they brought in, sure, they brought in pass catchers and Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, but still they don't have a true wide receiver one on that team. So there are plenty of targets to go around. I think Evan Ingram gets a lot of them. And maybe uh, it's my boy, Dan Arnold. I love him so much. Maybe he gets involved as well. Maybe he's the tight end one on that team because he is a much more reliable pass catcher than Evan Ingram. Although once if Evan Ingram does catch the ball when he does, he is really special uh, being able to beat defenders with that speed and athleticism. So yeah, he's probably the better NFL all around player with the ball in his hands, but Dan Arnold, man, watch for him on your waivers after the season starts. But the guy I want to draft in the double digit rounds, don't take him early. He can literally go in the 11th, 12th, 13th round. Uh, Evan Ingram is my sleeper. If you I don't get one of the top pick. guys, sorry, go ahead. Like who's because who's going to be thinking, oh, let me take a jag. Like no one's going to be thinking about that. I love that move. You talk about Ingram's athleticism. Like I don't think people remember 
he ran a 4-4-2 at the combine as a tight end. Like, that is absurdly fast for a tight end. And he's 6-3. It's not like he's short. You know, I mean, he's not as big as some tight ends. Kyle Pitts is like 6-6. But still, it's not. he's not a little guy. Uh, I like that move. I like the Peterson connection there. That's a good sleeper. Uh, that's a good call by you. I was First, I was like, does Evan Ingram get hurt too much? But he doesn't. It's not as much as you think. So, and he's been stuck on just terrible offense. I mean, his yeah. rookie season, he also had a great rookie season, put up 722 yards and six touchdowns. It's gone down since then, but it's like, I feel like every year, like in 2020 with 654 yards, like he's near the top, not if at the top of the giants receiving, uh, yards each season. It's just, they don't, <laughs> everyone there is terrible because yeah. they cannot score any points. They can't do anything. So We'll, we'll see if Evan Ingram can have a breakout now that he's on to a new team. I mean, it's also a pretty bad team, but we'll see if they can make that leap in uh, second year with Lawrence. I like the fact that it's not just, well, he's out of a bad situation and Trevor Lawrence is there. I like the Doug Peterson connection of somebody that's proven to feed the tight ends. That's a good sleeper pick by you. All right, so you're generally trying to get some of the top guys, but it seems like your strategy with tight ends is... It's more about when you pick them than who you pick. A hundred percent. It's all about getting that value and who, who you're missing out on because you're taking that tight end. I really like, so sometimes I did say a lot of those guys going in the middle rounds, they end up being pretty worthless as tight ends where you can plug them in, but they're not winning you any weeks. But I do like to be like, okay, I hate everyone at this. Like say I'm in the fifth round. Right. And I'm like, I just, not in love with anyone who fell to me here. That's when I'm like, well, do I love a quarterback? Like, is this the time to grab Josh Allen, the quarterback one? Although I'm much more of someone that waits on quarterbacks, but it's like, do I really want to take someone I don't believe in in the fifth or sixth round that just because I, I, I don't want to take a quarterback here or I don't want to take a tight end because I don't, you know, I'm trying to stay away from those positions to later. Or do I take a guy that's going to help my team out more? So if you think, Dallas Goddard is going to continue to get those targets that he did last year. If you think TJ Hawkinson can stay healthy and break out, like if you have belief in one of these guys, my guy will be Dalton Schultz. I think he's going to continue what he's doing and I'm not loving anywhere. One at that spot, I'll take him. but you gotta be fluid with the tight end position. Like I don't go in having a plan. Dalton Schultz, by the way, unlikely to reach a long-term agreement with the Cowboys by the deadline today, which means He's in a contract year, and that never hurts. I, I don't mind having people playing for their money. Yeah, and I don't think he stays with the Cowboys, so that's what stinks. If he balls out, he's likely to get a big payday, and then he's likely to suck wherever he goes, just like Austin <laughs> Hooper did. Yeah. Jesus, stay don't... with the team that helped you break out. Stay with the team that you're getting the targets. I get it. Like, it's for money, but if it's a couple million, like Le'Veon Bell just wrote on Instagram, I think yesterday regretting his decisions back in 2018. It's like you would have made so much more money if you would have just took that little less to stay with the Steelers because your, your career would have been so much longer and you would have had endorsements and all of that. You can argue that the collection of Ben Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell are some of the, at their peak, some of the best triplets in NFL history. Like and they did people... nothing with it. Right. They didn't. And then you throw in, by the way, like Emmanuel Sanders, you know, or any of the great other wide receivers, the Steelers, like just find wide receivers. But 
that, that 2018 season that he oh, held out, man, it was such a good season for the Steelers. They missed the playoffs, but and it was such a good season. It's wild that they missed it and they just fell apart. And then Juju fumbled away the season, basically. <laughs> but if they had James Conner did have one hell of a season, but he got hurt at the end. If they had Le'Veon Bell's skill and talent there, I really think they could have went really far if they ended up making those playoffs that year. But yeah, I mean, these players, these they make these decisions and go to absolutely terrible teams just for a little bit more money. And it's like, well, you, I, I think, oh, at the end of it, you ended up being miserable and you made less money because it cut your career shorter because you didn't play very well with a terrible situation. Don't underestimate the influence that the agents have in this too. The agents always want the player to take the biggest contract because their percentage that they get goes up as the contract goes up. And yeah. sometimes they do not have the player's best interest at heart. So Sometimes or always. Yeah, almost always. Thank you for your tight end knowledge, Michelle. That's going to do it for this edition of the Gold Diggers podcast. Again, we remind you, please rate, review, follow the Niners Nation podcast network. We went an entire show without mentioning the name of a certain quarterback that plays for the team. I'm just going to ask you this. We don't have to mention his name. Do you think this is the last show we will do with him on the roster? I think we did mention his name. No, I don't know. We'll have to go back now. You'll have to eat mayo if we mentioned it. No, I did not agree to that. <laughs> I did not agree. I, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, no, I, I'm never going to say it'll be the last show because I thought about two months ago it was going to be. Well, no. <laughs> How long ago now that we thought it was going to be the last show? Like True. four four months ago. So, no, we'll probably still have him on the roster, unfortunately. Big things coming, obviously, the Jimmy Garoppolo trade. Training camp starts July 26th. We are going to have boots on the ground at training camp. Kyle Posey, Jordan Elliott, Jason Aponte are going to be at camp. You're not going to have to rely on secondhand reports from anybody or the crack staff 49ers press corps not telling you what's actually going on. We will have people there for you. They're going to be doing training camp reports and updates every single day after practice. We made it. Like, we made it through the dark times. We are ramping up again officially, Michelle. I am so excited. I love when training camp starts. I go on The Athletic or on all of these. I I, I just, like, dig through the internet for any piece of news I can get in any of these players, especially for fantasy players or for, I don't know, I just especially for rookies. I just want to know everything. And I hang on to every word I read during training camp, which is probably really bad and not, and not helpful for me, but it just, I just want anything with football back. That's all I want. That's all any of us want. By the way, if you want more fantasy talk, fantasy knowledge, fantasy information, check out the ball Blast podcast. That's Michelle's podcast. All the fantasy information you could possibly want. Definitely go and check that out. You're blown up, Michelle. I have a feeling that uh, Niners Nation got in on the ground floor with you. Oh, that's nice. That That's way too kind and not true, but thank you. <laughs> Enjoy your Friday and your weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, y'all.